Hello, friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigSceneDispatch.com. Before we take you to your favorite Sports History Network show, just want to tell you a little bit about some merch that you can pick up that represents your favorite SHN podcast. So far, there's t-shirts, coffee mugs, and even books from some of the authors that do podcasts right here on SHN. Who could buy something better than that than have the history right from the, the gentleman that you hear talking about it? But we also are adding things each and every day. And where's that store, may you ask? Well, it's at SportsHistoryNetwork.com. Up at the top, there is the SHN. HN merch button. Click on that. It'll take you right to the store and you can be representing your favorite podcast and show the world that, hey, on the swag that I'm using, it's the headquarters of sports yesteryear, Sports History Network, and my favorite podcaster, the Sports History Network store. Shop there today. Possibly the most underappreciated people at a football game is the grounds crew. But we want to go back in time and look at the early grounds crew and how they took care of the grass at the fields. Timothy P. Brown of Football Archaeology joined us to tell us about the early mowings of the field. That's all coming up with Tim and more in just a moment. This is the Pigskin Daily History Dispatch, a podcast that covers the anniversaries of American football events throughout history on a day-to-day basis. Your host, Darren Hayes, is podcasting from America's North Shore to bring you the memories of the gridiron one day at a time. So as we come out of the tunnel of the Sports History Network, let's take the field and go no huddle through the portal of positive gridiron history with pigskindispatch.com. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hello, my football friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigskinDispatch.com. Welcome once again to the Pigpen, your portal to positive football history. And welcome to another evening where we get to discuss some football archaeology with the founder of that website, Timothy P. Brown. Tim, welcome back to the Pigpen. Darren, thank you for the chatting tonight as we seem to do every week, every Tuesday. So, yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, I, I feel very blessed and honored to be able to talk to you every Tuesday and uh, get this information uh, that you share with us. Uh, just you know, just a few months ago, you had a very interesting uh, topic on one of your tidbits about the field maintenance uh, of uh, the, you know the grass that was played on. You know, there was no uh, artificial turfs; so it was all natural grass. And uh, we're very interested to know about how they manicured their fields. <laughs> well, yeah, so I um, I actually had an earlier one. I think I probably have a, a link to it in this particular tidbit, but about, you know, the, the terrible field conditions of the past. And so, you know, now, you know, we've got artificial turf, we've got prescription grass, um, and, you know, most fields have, you know, good drainage and watering systems, if, you know, as needed. And there's just, you know, other ways. It's just, you know, the, the fields are so well maintained. You know, I mean, back in the day, and especially, mm-hmm. uh, you know, some stadiums that used to get really heavy use. If you just had one game um, or one weekend where it was rainy, the rest of the season, the whole central portion of the field was just mud or dirt. It was it just got torn up. You know, there's there's no way to avoid it. And, you know, that's one of the great benefits of artificial turf is that, you know, the turf doesn't really, you know, the central part of the field doesn't wear out, you know, so between the hash marks. But back in the day, it sure did. And so, you know, that's kind of a lost, (laughs) a lost element of the game. 
or of the of the experience, both as fans and then especially as players. Um, but you know, so I'm always looking at at old yearbooks and other you know photo sources. And so you know, back in the day, you know, there's certain things going on on the field that you just notice, and they're just like, "What the hell are they doing there?" <laughs> and so you know, they're obviously they're the muddy fields that I just mentioned. And you know, one of the ways that they try to maintain or dry out muddy fields is they they toss sawdust all over the field. And so you know, I've got images, you know, Yale Field, you know, where there's sawdust all over the all over the field, just trying to draw it out. Uh, or dry it out, I should say. And then they, you know, they'd sometimes put hay on the field prior to the game, like if it was going to be icy, and then they'd rake it all off. You know, so all kinds of crazy stuff. And then, so then once that dirt got all, um, well, once the field became dirt rather than grass, then you see in early pictures where they raked, you know, you see all these lines in the dirt. And it's just because they raked, you know, just to get all the clumps out and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then, but, and then when it dried, then the whole field is just dusty, you know? So there's, again, I've got a bunch of pictures of guys, you know, just stepping on the field, running around, there's dust clouds falling. They, they all look like pig pen from the Charlie Brown, um, <laughs> cartoon. But the other one that you see from time to time is long grass, you know, which is, you don't see it as much, but there's times where it's like, you know, I've got pictures of place kickers trying to kick off the grass and it's like the grass is literally like 12 inches tall you know? <laughs> and so it's like how the heck did they maintain the grass so i you know then i looked into that and it you know so initially and i have to make sure i you know um pronounce this correctly but you know i was asking like well, how do you how did they keep like football fields baseball fields parks you know and lawns trimmed back in the day and so the the one one way that they did it was with with a, a a sigh, which is you know, like the Grim Reaper, you know, with that pole like the, and the a, a sick a sickle type. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And so you know, so they had people out there, you know, cutting it that way. But then you know, by like eighteen thirty, somebody came up with a mechanical lawnmower that pretty much you know looks like a real. And I mean, real meaning R-E-E-L, so real mower that's used today, but obviously very clunky looking. And then, you know, they, they also had, um, you know, so there were the hand pushed versions and then there were the horse pulled versions of, of these uh, real mowers. Uh, but from time to time, they also reverted back to more traditional methods, which was to bring in a flock of sheep. And you just put the sheep out there on your football field or your baseball field and let, you know, let them at it. And, and then you may have some new obstacles to try to avoid while you're playing. Well, you know, and that, that would make the grass grow. So, um, yeah. And so Not, know, nothing like I, a good turd tackle. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. One, one of my brothers has a, a place up in California where, um, yeah, you know, it's basically a winery where the fields were so wet or the wine, you know, everything was so wet because of all the rain they had. They brought in a bunch of sheep and just let the sheep go up and down the between the rows, <laughs> and, you know, eat back the grass. But yeah, so I mean, so you think about that and it was e even, you know, for so for sure, I've got pictures, you know, it included a picture from like 1943 of sheep 
grazing in the Rose Bowl, trying to trying to keep it back. And so even like in the 40s, especially, you know, with gas rationing because of the war, um, you know, we saw a return to sheep grazing on athletic fields just to, you know, to try to keep it trimmed. But, you know, I mean, there were New Mexico, Loyola, Marymount, places like that also. You know, I've got newspaper articles anyways indicating, you know, in the late 30s, early 40s that they were they were trimming their grass the old fashioned way. Hey, just to, to put a comment, you know, the, the, the images that you have, uh, and we have links to it in the show notes here, folks, and on uh, Pigskin Dispatch from the accompanying article for Tim's images, the image of the sheep on the Rose Bowl field, um, I, I think they got the black sheep of every family in that photo, because I think uh, there's like two that look like they might be lighter color, all the rest of them are very dark color sheep, so... A lot, yeah, a lot of black sheep in that family. <laughs> well, there, there was, it may have been the breed because there was, uh, it, the, the article mentioned the specific breed, which, you know, I, I don't know one. Uh, I don't know my sheep breeds. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> but so it may be that that was just a function of. Uh, well, for, lucky for of, you, we, we just want your football knowledge. We don't yeah, need your, yeah. your uh, agricultural knowledge. So. Uh, I, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not real good on the agricultural side. Now the the uh, that same image the uh, the herdsman or the farmer that's uh, caring for these sheep uh, he must be a pretty popular guy because it looks like he has like a, a five gallon bucket to of uh, I'm assuming water uh, for these uh, you know dozen or so sheep to all drink out of so I'm sure they were very popular guy to with the water well, bucket so I mean the other thing he could have had some grain in there and then by by tossing grain into different areas it would attract the sheep to to mow the whole field. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So, I, I ah. mean, again, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing this only because I saw a YouTube video of some guy in like New Zealand who created a, a picture of a heart in his field, let the sheep in, he, you know, he spread grain in the shape of a heart, let the sheep out and they all went and then <laughs> sheep formed a heart, you know, so quite an art form to get your sheep to manicure your lawn. Uh, That's quite right. Well. So, so, all right. Well, hey, I'm I'm glad uh, even more so this week when I have to cut the grass at uh, the modern conveniences we have today. I'm not out there with a bucket throwing grain on my grass with a, a herd <laughs> of uh, of uh, sheep. So although we do like yeah, those, those were the days. Those were the yeah. days. All right. I had a little much harder in many ways. So we appreciate uh, those pioneers of uh, fo early football taking care of the, the yards that we played in and uh, getting us to advance to what we are today. And uh, now, Tim, you have some very interesting, fascinating pieces of football that even go beyond the game and equipment like, like this, you know, caring for the field, which is, you know, you have to have a field to play on. So it's uh, you know, it has to be that. And, and, oh, and I know one point I was going to bring up too is, is really interesting study. I saw just came out within the last week or so uh, from, I believe from the national football league on injuries compared on natural grass fields that play, are played in the league versus the artificial fields. And there was a higher injury rate, as this study showed, in the 2022 season where people on artificial fields were injured more often or more injuries occurred than they did on the grass fields. And I didn't know if you, you saw that, uh, but it's kind of interesting going back to old school possibly. Yeah, um, I didn't see that. And, you know, I mean, it 
obviously when when artificial turf first came out it it gripped so well that you know guys just blew out their knees all the time on that and it was like playing on concrete um you know i mean i mostly played on natural you know natural grass but i played on one or two artificial turf fields that were fairly early in their in the development <laughs> and and it was you know they were uh it was horrible but anyways um yeah i'm actually i'm a little bit surprised by that result you know just because you know my sense is that the, the the artificial surfaces have come come so far um but you know there's a certain amount of you know there's kind of no going back on some of it you know if you're in a dome stadium you, you're going to play on artificial turf right um and then it's you know it's one thing to be on turf um you know it, it takes it just takes a lot of money uh, uh from an ongoing maintenance standpoint to do, have a really well well done natural turf you know so if you're the packers or something like that okay you can afford it um a lot of other places it's just you know, so I mean, anyone in the NFL can afford can afford to do it if if that's the if that's the right thing, right? Yeah, I know at uh, at Acrisure Stadium, the old Heinz Field in Pittsburgh, they replaced the turf I think two or three times during the season during the NFL season. Of course, you know, the the Pitt Panthers are playing on that. They have high school games uh, usually Thanksgiving weekend. They have four championship games or, or five or six now. I think they have levels playing on that field, so it gets tore up that time of year, and they they replace it within a couple of days before the NFL game. And that's why you see so many famous games played at Pittsburgh Stadium where chunks of the field are coming up or they had a rainy Monday night game in Miami 20 some years ago where the punter kicked the ball and it came down point first and stuck right in the middle of the field yeah. and something. Well, like you that. know, that, that actually it, it raises a point, you know, I don't know if the study was able to control for that, but you know, how long was the turf installed, um, you know, at the time an injury occurred? Cause you know, turf that's been in there for months is different than turf that was installed last Monday. Right. So. Yeah, yeah, I think it's the, they just took an aggregate of the 17 games or I guess eight and a half games on average on each field uh, and looked around this to see how many state uh, injuries happened at that field by the opponents, you know, both teams playing on it. So I think yeah. that's how they did the study on it. And, you know, it's it's got some some you can sling some arrows at it and shoot some holes in it but it's an interesting study and one i, I know the nfl takes seriously and oh, yeah. player safety as they do with uh, most items so anxious to see where that leads us to yeah interesting stuff tim uh your tidbits are you know bringing up items like this constantly every single day sometimes a couple times a day uh, why don't you share with the listeners how they too can share in on all the fun on fearing these yeah. Uh, so, you know, best way is just to go to my website, footballarchaeology.com, subscribe. And that by doing that, you'll you'll get an email every night at like seven o'clock. Um, I may actually push that a little bit later. But anyways, you'll get an email that uh, with, you know, with the story for that that evening. Um, and, you know, if you if you don't you know want the emails, then just uh, you can follow me on on Twitter. Yeah. So a great subject. Uh, we've really enjoyed that, uh, having you share your knowledge with us, Tim, and um, uh, appreciate you. And we will talk to you again next week. Very good, sir. Look forward to it. 
peeking up at the clock. The time's running down. We're going to go into victory formation, take a knee, and let this baby run out. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you back tomorrow for the next podcast. We invite you to check out our website, pigskindispatch.com, not only to see the daily football history, but to experience positive football with our many articles on the good people of the game, as well as our own football comic strip, Cleet Marks Comics. Pigskindispatch.com is also on social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and don't forget the Pigskin Dispatch YouTube channel to get all of your positive football news and history. Special thanks to the talents of Mike and Gene Monroe, as well as Jason Neff for letting us use their music during our podcast. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Do you wish you knew more about the 100 seasons of the NFL? You're in luck because you found the Football History Dude Podcast, where each episode is a journey back in time to learn about the rich history of the NFL. From the founding of the league in an auto showroom, all the way to what it is today, America's favorite sport and a behemoth of an industry. My name is Ernie Chapman. Football is my passion, and I want you to come along with me each week to explore the yesteryear of the gridiron. So hop on board, my DeLorean, and let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.